This is Aural Spaces with Stoya and Mitch, brought to you by Riffopolis Network at riffopolis.com. R-I-F-F-O-P-O-L-I-S dot com. So, yeah, we're now called Aural Spaces. That's a, it was a Stoya decision or um, suggestion, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the good news is, because it's funny, I didn't really, it didn't occur to me to uh, ever look to see if there was a similar named podcast, but as it turns oh, no. out, there already was a podcast called In the Trenches. Okay. And, what was uh, it about? It was by the American, I mean, they're still going. It's by the American Family Association, which it's fine if you don't know who that is, just... If kind of like if somebody references America and family in the, as their in their organization name, I'm like, so you hate the gays? Oh God! And uh, <laughs> yeah, right on the front page of their website, giant banner: sign the boycott Target pledge. Target store policy endangers women and children by allowing men to frequent women's facilities. <laughs> yeah. I gotta tell you, man, all the times that I've been inappropriately like hopped in front of or loomed over by or sometimes even touched or grabbed by strange men it has never once happened in a bathroom yeah sounds about right usually yeah. how that goes you know I, I there's part of me would offer a service you know just stand outside and you pay me 50 bucks i'll go in and check everybody's genitals come back out let you know if if it's all clear and then what I do I is mean, I take the fifty dollars and I go inside and I go, "Who wants to prank the AFA?" And then I, I give somebody a strap-on dildo and then I walk them out there with the dick just hanging out. And I go, oh, "I got one. See, it's a good thing I was here. You know, that'd be, be fun time." I mean, yeah, there's the whole thing where they're just being jerks about trans people's identity. Well, it's the entirety <laughs> of it. It's that it's that thing of like, well, how do we protect the children? And it's just like it's already illegal. What, what 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 would you be protecting? Like if somebody went in, if if a if a, a straight male, I was about to say straight white male, it's gonna of course be a white male. Uh, if a straight white male wanders into a bathroom in a, a shoddily put together dress to diddle kids, um, that we we'd we'd cut we'd cut that off. I think that would be you know. I don't think there's been a single case of that ever happening, and I have a very difficult time believing that. Child molesters are like that's how I'll get away with it. It's it's the same thing as with the um, with the two two five seven documentation that's required in the adult industry, where it's like okay, like this is I I get the idea of the people behind whatever's going on is to protect the children and protecting children is great, but people who do bad things to children do not keep proper paperwork or yeah. care what rooms they're allowed into like yeah so so it's this consistent like punishing of people who are completely innocent in an attempt to catch people who are not going to give a shit about the rules anyway that's fair uh it does make me curious though i mean like i don't know i i don't it, the the recent uh, proposed changes to twenty two fifty seven laws that didn't go through, thank fuck, where it was getting far more like uh, far reaching and, and annoying. Even um, I was not on board with that, uh, but generally speaking, I don't think it's too much of a problem. I mean, I've certainly, I mean, I, I can remember before 
those laws were in place, you'd go to those, you know, teen sites that was like hot teen, whatever the fuck, and barely legal this. And you're looking at it and you're like, I'm not sure barely is true mm-hmm. in this case. Mm-hmm. And it gave you kind of a weird, you know, I was probably 19, 20 years old at the time, so it wasn't that far removed. But, you know, enough to where I was like, I don't know. And it just kind of was like a weird feel. Like, how do I know that you're, these are, de- these models are definitely 18. So I guess that's, at least there's that. At least you go to a, a mainstream website that has pornography and, you know, uh, you're like, whew, well, at least I guarantee they're all 18. You know, it's all been vetted, that kind of thing. I mean, to be precise, any listeners who view pornography can feel confident if they see the 2257 record keeping statement displayed mm-hmm. that two forms of ID that do pass a sniff test were displayed by the performer in question and mm-hmm. indicated that they were above the age of 18. Yeah, and they signed a document stating as much. Yes, yeah. Is, Although yes. I do wonder how often people actually read the document. Oh, yeah, nobody's yeah, uh, nobody's reading those documents. It's a lot of like, <laughs> I just want to hurry up and fuck. What do I sign? <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. Even even me, when it's like a four or five page thing, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's in perpetuity across the universe, any form of, yeah, sure, affidavit. If we land on Mars, I don't get a penny if you try to resell it there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'm probably, I don't want to have children, so you can have the firstborn. That's cool. This poor child just don't take my cats. Oh yeah, no. Well, they can't have your first cat. It's too late for that. Maybe your fifteenth or sixteenth. Then you're like, no, but I need that one. Uh, I do wonder. I I, the the document of yeah, I I certify that I'm definitely you know an adult and so on and so forth. I mean, I I guess ostensibly it would it's supposed to protect the content creator. Were that to you know were it to come out that they presented fraudulent documents. And then you were, it was discovered that you had their content hosted on your site. I don't think I, – I don't know who's in trouble. I, I would imagine the model's in trouble because they signed a document <coughs> saying like, you know. I don't know who would be in trouble at the end of the day, but I know everybody would probably be panicking. Um, sure, yeah, no, absolutely. Those, those laws were developed when it was discovered that Tracy Lords had been working while underage. So it was – We didn't have those laws back then. She was just, yeah. I mean, you know. Well, that's, I, look, ostensibly you're supposed to be 18 to be naked, but like American Beauty, if you recall, uh, the yeah. girl in that, um, I can't remember her name. Anyway, the one who displays the breasts. Actually, Laura both Birch. of the girls. Both of the girls who do. The one who wants the bre- breast augmentation and then the blonde girl that Kevin Spacey's hitting on. They're, they were both, I believe, 16 and 17. Huh. So, you know. Yeah, I didn't know that at the time either. Really took all the enjoyment out of it for me. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I would think I would think the court would would side with the content creator. Like you know, you did it. You put your best faith effort forward on this. Yeah. You know, and this I mean, person, you know, it's also like a photocopy of the IDs is taken, so you have. You have something in right. the event that the government's ever curious to show them that says, like, this is the thing I saw. See why I would think it was valid. Yeah. I uh, uh, 
I, I, I run through, I do the applications on amateurporn.com for models applying. And what they need to do is they send in a photo of, a close-up of their, just their ID, and then a photo of their face, and they're holding their ID. Mm-hmm. And then a photo of them holding a piece of paper. This is amateurporn.com written on it. And um, I'd say out of about one out of five applications, I have to send them an email and say, hey, the close-up photo with your ID is, I can't read the ID, you know. Because people take the selfie camera and they hold it way back here, and it's the light hits it, you know, something like that, or it's too dark, or you know. And they're like, "Look, you can see I'm holding an ID. Um, I need to be able to compare the details." And while on the one hand, I can go, "Yeah, that's definitely the same ID. The, the photo, the image matches. The photo matches." It's a good thing I do that. There was an application I got once where the close-up photo ID—I can't remember what it was—but it was something where it was like two parts were off, or one part was off, and it was just like. Clearly, they doctored the close-up one, but not the one next to their face. Like, they figured I wouldn't look at it, I guess, that closely. <laughs> well, if you're going to doctor it, you're going to have to go all the way, you know. Uh, that's a, That was a scary kind of thing. Like, oh, boy, I'm glad I caught that, because Lord only knows, you know? Yeah. You want to go into some weird news stuff? Oh, boy. <laughs> In sex worker news, I, I this is kind of amazing to me. It sort of makes sense, but it's also still kind of amazing. Michigan cops may soon be barred from having sex with prostitutes while undercover. <laughs> Translation, it's not currently illegal to both use the services of while trying to prosecute the activity of sex work. Uh, and, and call girls and, and escort services and things of that nature. Uh, prostitution. Yeah. Oh, God. I guess in a, in a Reddit thread about it, somebody was like, well, yeah, if you're an undercover cop and you're trying to bring down some big coke ring, there's a certain amount of coke that they'll let you get away with doing. <laughs> because, like, you know, in the movie, the guy always holds the coke on the end of a knife. Let me see you're not a cop. Do this fucking rail, you know? And you're going to be like, well, I'm not a cop, but I don't do cocaine. <laughs> anyway, boys, let's go sell some cocaine. <laughs> you have to, you have to, you know, you'd have to do it, right? To keep your undercoverness? I, mean, I feel, I feel like, you know, like 10 years ago or whatever in Philly, I knew people who sold things and didn't mess with their own product. Yeah. And had like a very an attitude about it that was very like that's that's how you end up having a really expensive hobby instead of a business. Yeah, don't get high on your own supply, that whole that whole thing. Yeah. Yes. But I think if you were like rolling with the big dogs and they were like, I need to see you do some coke, even if your personal policy is, nah, I don't really fuck with my own product, I think in that instance you'd be like, Well, I guess I gotta, you know. I don't want him to think if, I'm a cop or something. I don't know. Yeah, if I was if I was concerned that I might get shot in the head or something, I would definitely <laughs> hoover it up. <laughs> yes, gun to my head, I'd do some coke. Sure, uh, gun to your head. Do you? Do you? Um, yeah, no. I was to say, do you? Do you utilize a prostitute services? I mean, that just seems. I don't know. I'm not. I guess. I guess the theory would be, you know, if you're if you're like. It's one thing to just talk about, hey, let's go behind this, you know, building or, you know, in my car and in this alleyway or whatever and give me a beager. Okay, that'll be 50 bucks. Like, it's one thing to say that, but 
I don't think you can arrest them on just them saying that they they would do that, but I'm not sure. Like, no, actually, I guess I can. Never mind. I've seen that before. I've seen the. There's a very disturbing cops episode I like teasing my roommate with. That's uh, a guy in a, in a clown suit driving around in a van filled with balloons and picking up girls on the corner and, and be like, "You wanna, you wanna pop my silly string, girl?" And like, it's very disturbing. Um, oh, but, yeah. It, oh, it's the worst. It's the worst thing. I've wow. never felt more uh, sympathy for um, the person getting arrested in my life than watching that video. I was like, oh, these poor women. Can't can't they go free on time served in that van? Yeah. It's so terrible. Um, so, yeah, I guess it would be just enough to hear them say, yeah, I'll, I'll do this for this amount of money. I just think it's really rude to have sex with someone when it's their job and then not pay them and take them to jail. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's the thing is this is always uh, these particular instances are about like empires, like building right going their way up the ladder, so to speak. So like that particular girl that they that they're paying and getting the sexual service from, she's not technically going to be the one indicted. OK, so, like they, they're trying to get to her like the boss. Are we sure? Are we sure that's how this goes down? Well, because here's the thing. Then you, as the undercover cop, you go to that prostitute and you say, okay, look, we can throw you in jail for, you know, two or three years for this thing, or you can talk about the boss. That's, I'm not, I'm not saying that it makes anything better. I'm just, I think they probably are actually paying. They probably have a budget for that, you know? Same as the Coke deal stuff. But yes, it is extremely rude. Um, and it's so to, I, I was talking about uh, this on a different podcast of mine, a vulgar tech. I see when we talk about <clears throat> de de uh, what's the decriminalizing? I was like delegalizing. No, that's not the word. Decriminalizing um, things like drugs and prostitution and stuff like that. The hardest thing I think would be to be an American politician and be the American politician who who the the ta- attack ads are like. Senator Johnson is pro whores. You know nobody wants to run on that ticket. They're just so afraid to be the pro-prostitution. I don't. I don't think there would be actually that much uh, debate, or or if you had you know five or six across the aisle politicians coming forward with a bill that was like, yeah, we're going to decriminalize you know sex work and make it safer for everybody, so on and so forth. I think that could it could pick up steam pretty easily. It just nobody wants to run on that ticket. So you need to get into politics, Toya. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Who's going to hold me every night while I cry because I'm so revolted at myself for touching politics that way? <laughs> I'll be your uh, I'll be your advisor. I'll be like there with the water bottle in the corner. You got this. Come on, three more rounds. Come on. Wearing a towel around my neck, always jogging in place. Yeah, get it with the left, you know. Like, it's politics, not boxing. And then, you know, same diff. Kind of same diff, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's all about that. I, I do, um, it would be nice if, if, if sex workers got into politics. I don't know why there isn't more. I mean, in Italy, there was like a, a, a beloved uh, um, senator of some kind who was – Apparently, she got really. She was quite popular as, as a as as a political as a political figure. But she apparently was was 
their kind of queen of porn prior to that. Like she had the most uh, prolific uh, career, you know, hundreds of titles and stuff. And then she ran for uh, some political title. I I don't remember much. We need more of that in this country. We've, um, I mean, Mary Carey did run as a joke for president, I think. No, it was the gubernatorial California governor race. Right. Sorry. Thank you. It's okay. Uh, I ran, I ran too. So, you know, we all did. Oh, okay. I didn't. Um, Yeah, it was, um, yeah, I don't think you were, were you living here? I don't think you were living here yet at the time. This was like 2004, I think. Yeah, that was that, that's how we ended up with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Huh. But because of Measure B and then um, all of the California state things that got shot down, including the, um, the oh, God, what was the name of it the last time when it was on the state ballot? Prop 60? Yes. I think it was um, Prop 60. Uh, because <laughs> of all of that, a lot of performers have started seeming more politicized. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, that's what it takes sometimes, you know? Yeah. It takes, like, you see something terrible and you go, oh, wow. I didn't realize that it got that close to, like, <laughs> ruining my life. <laughs> so yeah. kind of, it, it emboldens you to actually do something. But, yeah. Anyway, that's the end of the, well, not really end of political talk, because it actually brings up the, uh, I was I was amazed to find when I was researching that article about the uh, undercover cops and a busting of uh, prostitutes was that that apparently uh, the the feminist the uh, over what is it four hundred feminist groups or women's I don't want to mislabel anything here I'm not trying to you know but you know the, the feminists and you know the witches. Uh, but there's like 400 feminist groups that, uh, or women's groups that, that advocate the Amnesty International anti-prostitution stance. That's confusing to me, I guess. Yeah, there's um, there's a bunch of very loud feminists who very much don't seem to like sex work. Um. <laughs> don't seem to respect the ability of sex workers to speak for themselves and evaluate what's actually making their jobs less safe. Um, yeah. And, and things can get very, um, very intense and very strange when mixed in with a whole bunch of rhetoric about the autonomy of women is all of this like except those sex workers who are employed by the pimp lobby and are too victimized to understand what victims they are and just like ah um yeah very you know oh these poor women can't take it of themselves we'll we'll do it for them and the, the Amnesty International thing, um, it was it was a whole big kerfluffle, but like a year and a half, two years ago, mm-hmm. and a, a bunch of Hollywood women, like Lena Dunham, I know was one of them, um, signed on to the the like Amnesty International. How dare you? Um, which 
<laughs> which is just this, like, constant, like, oh, man, because, like, if you really want to help, and it's the same thing with Rashida Jones, where it's like, if you really want to help with, like, the poor women in the, in the sex industry and the, like, ah, and the exploitation, then, like, don't, um, don't exploit the subject matter for clickbait to the detriment of the voices of people who are actually trying to navigate what can be a very dodgy and difficult kind of work to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it goes with that stigmatization of like, if you, I think, I feel, I don't, it's really not my place to say being male, but in my mind, I'm like, you're doing far more damage as a feminist speaking negatively about uh, positive sex work because you're stigmatizing it even further to where it's it's the same reason why we should decriminalize uh, prostitution in the first place is like if in in cases of abuse or or rape or things of this nature that doesn't go reported that's that that girl's not calling the cops yeah she'd be like oh so i was i was giving this guy a beach and some other guy you know climbed in through the window and started choking me and slapped me around you know around the face uh, well that's just gonna go unreported. That's just gonna. That's just some fucking. There's a creepy dude out there, raping motherfuckers, and we're never gonna hear about him because nobody's gonna report him. And that's yeah. that's not right. There's a, there's a. I believe he was technically considered a serial killer. Um, but this guy on Long Island killed a whole bunch of sex workers over like a decade or something. Yeah. And eventually, when they caught him, what he said was basically like, "Well, I knew no one was gonna care." Like, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty short police work. They're like, well, horrified. I don't know. I guess, ha ha ha. She, she <coughs> he, he didn't pay her. Ha ha ha. You know, or whatever. It's yeah, it was dumb shit horrifying, like but unfortunately, fairly true. And December seventeenth every year, um, there are events around the world where they read the names of. Sometimes it's only the trans female sex workers of color a lot of the times it's only that list and that list is horrifyingly long um yeah they call it like the the reading of the names and so many of the names are unknown yeah i would imagine i would imagine i mean it's uh, talking about this with a friend of mine who works on a mental uh, institution um as uh, we were trying i was I, I don't mean this in any sort of uh, positive way, but I was coming up with the America gives a shit about you pyramid. And Oof. yeah, top of the pyramid is um, rich white businessman. And then the next level down is cute white girl, child, you know, under 13. And then it's, you know, apparently swimmer, white swimmer guy. Uh, but at the very bottom, the the below, and America gives so very little shit about young black females. But lower even than that, uh, black trans women, and lower even than that, if they're also sex workers. Oh boy! Yeah, you could you could die and be reincarnated and get killed again seven times in a row and uh, no one's gonna bat like not bat an eye uh, I'm reminded of when Eddie Murphy back in the I think it was the early 90s he was caught with uh, 
with a prostitute, a trans female prostitute. And I remember it was coming out like, you know, little information here was coming out and things like that where the girl in question was going to go and, and do like a tell-all piece for, you know, people or somebody like that. Because everybody was so curious what, what happened and all this because his excuse was I was just giving her a ride home. No, no explanation why his pants weren't on, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't like driving with pants. I mean, man, man's got a right to drive without pants. I mean, you know, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not one to complain about that. But she was found dead of what they ruled immediately, ruled a suicide by jumping off. She was living on, like, the fourth or fifth floor of this apartment building. Now, what's, what seems extremely odd to me is that her entire front of her body was scraped up from the wall. It's a very strange way to commit suicide. If you're going to jump from a building, you jump out, not hold on to the rail and slide your face down the side of the building. That feels yeah. a lot more like somebody was holding them over the side and dropped them than suicide. But it was just open and shut case, Johnson. Like, because again, that, that America does not give a shit about them. And it's, it's extremely unfortunate. So, wow, we're getting dark stuff I mean, quick here. Uh, there, there are there are people who give a shit, and there are people who bat an eye, but there's yeah. way too few and far between. Mm-hmm. It's uh, definitely something uh, we need to fix. But why? What's the significance of December seventeenth? Why that date specifically? Um. I don't know why this day was chosen, but it's um, the International Day to End Violence Against Sex Workers. Okay. Do you do you still consider yourself a feminist? Does this does does the rising tide that it seems, and maybe it's not a rising tide; it's just ill-reported. Is there a rising tide of of kind of postmodern, post-third wave? Post fifth wave, whatever section we're in of feminism, that, that are like, okay, let's let's you know vilify pornography and sex work of all kinds. Is that like a is that just I, a few um, groups, or is that like a prevailing thing? It's it's really hard to tell because the people who are most hateful and most hurt sometimes it's both in the same human mm-hmm. um, tend to be the loudest. Yeah. By a lot. Yeah. So it goes across all, all lines of everything. That's true. Yes. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's incredibly difficult to tell, although it does sometimes feel like, <laughs> like, whoa, every time I stick my head out of my apartment, someone's like accusing me of having debilitating dissociation because I used the, technical term for what happens when you maybe get pounded a little too hard by an abnormally large penis or something. I called it mechanical injury. Mm. Uh, but whores yeah. aren't supposed to use doctrine words. Otherwise, mm. we're sick in the head. And it's not that I'm not sick in the head, but I can absolutely use doctoring words to accurately describe what's happening with my body at work. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, you're not, you know, it's... It, it, for all the uh, stereotypes about sex workers and things like that, you have a very close relationship with uh, at least your father. I think your mother as well. But like your dad is is damn near your manager. I mean, he's or he was for a time. Like he was he was like every time you met anybody new, it was like okay, I got to introduce him to dad. That kind of thing. 
Yeah. I, um, I have a really hard time reading business people and mm. communicating with them. We have this communication error that happens where they're like, we're going to make you a star. And I'm like, you're blowing smoke up my ass. <laughs> and then, or like, they're like, so what are your career goals? And I'm like, well, I'd like to do this and see what it's like. And then we'll see how the first year goes. But I'm here to do my best. And what they want to hear is like, I want to be the next Jenna Jameson. Right. <laughs> so it was basically my training wheels for a long time. It was like. And that, that'll fuck up another businessman. It's like, you know, he's like, oh, here's this young girl getting ready in porn. We can. Oh, that's her dad. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little harder to just, you know, make you just sign here and we'll take care of the details. I mean, it definitely had other awkward parts, but being able to be like, and this is my father. I'm a human. Yeah. Yeah. That fucks up the whole narrative for those people because they're like, damn, and the owner you're supposed to have run away like- from home and just barely out of a crack addiction and you know my dad and the owner of fleshlight ended up so well that like the last time i talked to mr shubin the first thing he asked was how's your dad right, there you go <laughs> very supportive man <laughs> so yeah that, yeah, that goes um, against the, the narrative the women's march um to circle back to the oh yeah yeah some, the Women's March on J20 when Trump was inaugurated, mm-hmm. they were working with sex workers in a pretty friendly way. And then at the last minute, they tried to be like, no, they're not included. Hmm. <laughs> and then Janet Mock intervened and put a stop to that. Okay. So I um I do continue to accept the label of feminist defined as in agreement that women are just as much of a person as people who are not women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like that, yeah, cool. I'm bored with that, and I um. I'm definitely not trying to say that, like, every woman has to be a feminist because that's some fucking bullshit right there. <laughs> any Anytime that I hear the words every blank needs to, it's... Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that every woman needs to be a feminist, but those who do feel, like, some pull towards that, mm-hmm. saying... I support feminism, just not this thing that's pretty heinous, like this behavior or this activity. That's um, That seems like it's a lot better than going, you know, oh, the Women's March doesn't want sex workers. Okay, fine. Like, we'll just, we'll just go home. Or like, <laughs> we'll just like trail on behind. <laughs> like, that's... Um, well, yeah, but, uh, that, the thing is that on the surface it seems like the the most uh, most obvious feminist issue because it's like part of saying we're capable adult human people who deserve the respect of capable adult human people is letting adult human people choose how they make their income. You'd, you know? you'd hope, but um, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, there's one really 
terrifying problem, which is fascism, and another one that's rampant, rapey misogyny. Um, and so it's like, do we do we wait until we can all line up behind like feminism? Open parenthesis that actually respects the ability of every individual woman to. Well, I do think that's the problem is you get you you get into that sort of uh, Church of England thing or you get so many splinter groups that there's no centralized core anymore and then nobody can agree on anything. And that's I think that's what's frustrating some of the younger women I've met who aren't that don't like the feminist label is that they see this certain things like, you know, anti-sex work or things like that where they're like, well, I'm not cool with that. If that's how feminism is going, count me the fuck out, you know, and maybe they'll splinter off into some you know different wording but then it's like well now we have a problem with what we need you know we need 15,000 feminists to stand up and sign this bill or whatever and it's like well I don't know because Carol doesn't like this and Samantha doesn't like that oh Christ you know can't get anywhere yeah. done you know um, and that's it's, and it it can also become an issue when it's like okay so like this bill that like yeah, I would, or this, you know, what, what do they call it when it's a protest signature thing? Um, oh, but boy. they sneak like weird shit in there. Where, like, oh, yeah. Like, I remember a few years ago, there was something that the Free Speech Coalition wanted performers to sign on to, and it was like, I'm against AB1576 or whatever the version of it was. And I was like, I can back that. Oh, wait, what's this thing about I think our health and safety stuff is totally perfect. See, I don't agree with that. I think there's always room for improvement. And I also think saying that it's perfect sounds kind of tone deaf and unself-aware, which can be a problem when we're trying to say that we're capable of handling our health and safety stuff ourselves. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a like, weird shit thing. I have personally for myself... Uh, I have I, uh, probably about a year and a half ago or something like that. I have I refused to uh, label myself feminist. Uh, Why? I found that too many uh, uh, predatory and douchey men mm. have used that as a sort of uh, su- smoke signal of of like safety when they're anything but. It's it's the uh, you know wolf in sheep's clothing very similarly, and I'm like I so don't want to be lumped into that, and I so do enough you know or not maybe not enough, but I do what I can in my life and in my comedy and in my writing and things like this to make it very clear what side of the aisle I'm on vis-a-vis women's issues. Um, that I'm like I don't need to use that label to, you know, make myself feel better or things like that. And I certainly don't want to, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it'd be better if I did just so I could, you know, drown out those assholes, but I've kind of, it's going to be a while because I've seen far too many men hold a banner of feminism while they're like underneath the banner, they're punching a girl in the face, you know, (laughs) there's this philosopher, um, out of France in, I want to say, the 80s, named Foucault. Okay. 
He wrote a book called The History of Sexuality. And he talks about the point in time where the legal language shifted from this person committed an act of sodomy to this person is homosexual. Um, okay. And then, then, of course, like a couple centuries later, the work of undoing, criminalizing sexual orientation started being done. But uh, so there, there is something in that about the distinction between what a person does and what they call themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think thinking of it as like does this person practice feminism right like do I see them practicing it is helpful for that but it's it takes a lot more paying attention and stuff yeah there was even even just recently there's this uh, fella you may know of him or his or the organization he's related to have you heard of citizen radio are you familiar with that Yes. This guy's name was Jamie Kilstein. He's a comedian. And uh, I've seen some of his stuff before, and it was light on comedy, heavy on uh, political statements. But, you know, generally good political statements. I agree with the guy. And then Citizen Radio, you know, basically ultra-liberal podcast network and uh, touring company and things like that. And he and his wife ran Citizen Radio. And... You know, this is a guy who went on Joe Rogan's podcast and explained uh, rape culture to him and uh, things of this nature. So he was ostensibly fighting the good fight, called himself a feminist all the time. It was like how he would initially identify. And then, uh, like three months ago, it came, like 20, 30 women came forward and were like, yeah, whenever the wife wasn't around. This dude was doing all kinds of fucked up shit. He would text me pictures of his dick, you know, and say really fucked up things to me and, you know, was very handsy with me if no one else was around, etc., etc. Just, and you're just like, God, this guy? (laughs) So that's kind of where I'm like, God, you know, it worries me. It happens too much that I'm like, I don't know. I'd rather just, you know, judge me by my actions and not by some label. It's not that I'm opposed to, uh, I don't know, marching in a feminist march or something. I certainly don't have an issue with that. Yeah. I mean, I do because I don't like large crowds. But. <laughs> it's fair. I, I've been in a few marches and they're, they're really not fun. I mean, they're, they're, it's a lot of work. And uh, I don't really like doing it, but sometimes you got to, you know. If there, if there was the, like, silent march. Sure, sure. The, like... No risk of large crashing noises. What large. you want to do is be a correspondent, be somebody they go to live on CNN, and you're in your apartment, and you're like, "I love this march. Go, guys, rock on!" Here's why we're marching. I'll explain it to the press. Or like, or like, if there was a very lightweight, like, real doll of me that I could send out with a friend and be like, "I officially dub this my." myself on the ground that doesn't jump at loud noises. Yeah, yeah. They could just hold a sign. Stoya agrees with us. Uh, yeah. Just yeah, I would, I would totally trust um, Chelsea G. Summers to do that or yeah. Molly Crabapple. I would. That's fair. That's fair. 
right, Melissa well. Garrett Grant, Janet Mock. I'd, well, I'd if, any, if anybody's doing a march in their hometown and uh, or city or whatever have you, and you're you're like, I wonder if I can march for Stoya or include her on my behalf in this march. Shoot us a message through the through Riffopolis and and let us know, and uh, and we'll see. You know. If if you sign off on it, then they can make a Stoya agrees with us too sign, and then I'm I'm actually totally serious about that. Yeah, it'd be great. I don't have it in me to get out in the streets that way, and <laughs> but do want to let the really people important. know you care, right? Well, it's it is really important to have that visible display of like yeah, it's actually a large large amount of. The city or country or whatever that's against this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's the whole point of a march. Look how many there are all in one spot. Yeah, and it works. It reminds me very quickly of one of the favorite quotes, and I need to look it up and get the name and all this different shit. And maybe you'll know the quote and you could help out on this, but there was a... I think it was in the 60s or 70s, there was a... a a gay rights activist who said if I had just one wish it would be that for one day all of us LGBTQIA at this point uh, but at the time just LGBTQ just for one day we all we all were purple so we could see how many of us there were and I just thought it's such a beautiful uh, idea and I think about that, like, in a lot of, you know, whether it's sexuality or uh, gender issues or uh, uh, kink stuff, you know, uh, there's, you know, a lot of people have to hide their sex life, you know, they go on OkCupid and it's just a photo of their chin and they're like, I have a, you know, I work, so I, you know, I can't let anybody know that I, that I also like sex, you know, it's that kind of thing. Uh, all that kind of idea of the purple. So marches are that. Marches are people going like, we're purple for the day. So you can yeah. see how many of us there are. A couple of years ago, actually, it might have been like four now, um, the New York Times launched their opinion app, hmm. and I'd written my column or my my one essay for them um, like a few months prior. So hmm. I was invited, and I went, and I ran into a couple of other women that I knew, including Molly, um, and there was Nick Kristoff. And also, a few months prior, Melissa Garrett Grant had had a piece on the opinion page mm-hmm. where Nick Kristoff has his column. And what Melissa was doing was essentially providing all of the important context that Nick Kristoff had repeatedly left out with regards to Somali Mom, um, who was this anti-trafficking figure and there was this whole like backstory that turned out to have been largely manufactured mm. and so Melissa pointed that out um, and you know, a couple months go by and I'm at this party and I'm with Molly and then there's Nick Kristoff and we got a little um, rambunctious <laughs> so we went over and he was in a conversation with someone and he looked up and he saw Molly and I and there's a third woman there and the three of us are all you know we're like symmetrical and decent looking and 
We're all lined up waiting for him, and he's like, he gets this little smirk on his face. Oh, he <laughs> thinks fans. Yeah, he wraps up, and the first thing out of Molly's mouth is Melissa says hi. Mm. Um, and it was just the three of us in retrospect we kind of ganged up on him but also one white man who's a New York Times columnist Mm -hmm. (laughs) for the three of us I feel like it was probably actually just about even Um, and afterwards Molly, um, she said something about wondering if that was the first time that he'd been in the same room with a sex worker, like essentially mm. on similar footing. Yeah. And I, I was like, now just possibly the first time he's been in the same room with a sex worker who can tell him to his face that that's what she is. And it's um, which is just terrible reporting. <laughs> I mean, right off the bat, you're going to write a story about a, a subsect of, of the population, certainly of, uh, as as per their profession, and you're not going to seek out and talk to one of those professionals. I think uh, I think what Molly was referring to is more <clears throat> like being in the same room with a sex worker who could be considered close to an equal. Right. Like, also we've written writer. in the same places. Right, right. Like, my, my word has that. carried as much weight as yeah. his head. Because um, I'm, I'm sure he'd interviewed plenty of, like, young girls who had been trafficked and truly were, like, tragic cases who needed to be removed from that kind of situation and given help. Um, yeah. And I mean, once again, you, you want to, you want to, you want to solve that problem? Decriminalize legal stuff, you know? Yeah. It's a lot easier for, for, you know, if uh, two sex workers are like, know a third sex worker that's underage and in trouble. Well, they don't really have an avenue right now to explore that. Do they? You're not giving them a chance to report this to the police. Instead, they have to shut the fuck up because they'll go to jail too. So, and there's no. concern about what happens to the girls and women who are trafficked when they're quote unquote rescued. Because yeah, what do you do? Sometimes they end up like doing sweatshop labor, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, so they're not they're not having sex, but this is still really exploitative. <laughs> All right, a quick question. It might be a long question, but kind of a quick question before we move into happier subjects. You have you have run uh, the production side of an adult company and are doing so again. So you've done the kind of writing, producing, directing, so on and so forth, hiring the staff. You're the boss. You're in charge. You pick the talent and et cetera, et cetera. And that's the focus is really the talent. On the one hand, always exciting to get somebody new, you know, in there. Be like, oh, this will be fun. You know, they'll be their first time, et cetera, et cetera. Do you have a litmus test that you do on new performers or do you not use new performers? I really prefer not to work with new performers at all. Um, there, There was one woman who... 
I spoke with at a reading a couple of years ago and I she said that she wanted to perform and we talked about it I think a couple of different times um, and she was so precise about why she wanted to do it Hmm. that I was willing I was willing to work with her but largely I there there are people who really like working with new performers their productions like video series and websites that specialize in that and I just I don't want to be someone's big regret <laughs> that's, fair. that's fair well I mean surely you get I mean, that's got to be the number one question that you get from women at conventions has to be like, you know, how do I get into this or what's your advice for somebody trying to get into this, currently working on it, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I I do get a lot. I get it more from men and it's immediately concerning because I'm like, if you want to like if you want to work in like the mainstream straight porn industry, it's women get in a couple of different ways men get in basic or women get in a few ways men get in basically one of two ways and it's um why why would someone ask me and assume that i'm going to be the like best yeah. person to go to on how yeah um now though tyler knight has a memoir that has finally been published and it's it is quite good. It's called Burn My Shadow. And so now I can just tell dudes like, yeah, read this and don't bother me until you've finished and thought about if you actually want to perform. Not a single one has come back to bug me about it. Ba- Burn My Shadow: A Selective Memory of an X-Rated Life. All right, I will put that in the put that in the show notes because God, I do hate that question, especially from dudes because ah. it's a, you know what they're asking. <laughs> How can I fuck you? Is yeah. What I want to fuck you and girls like you and, like, for freezies, you know? Yeah. How do I get that done? Okay, well, whatever. You could try being a really fun person, but that's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> Having a personality? Who has time for that? <laughs> Somehow I was looking at random things on on vice i think and so, you know something that had the related articles and one of them was an interview with you from um was it 2013 maybe 2014 <coughs> let's find out when that 2015 okay november 2015 and i hadn't seen it before and it had a clickbaity title stoya on dating the good kind of male feminist and i thought that was interesting um, and then it turns out that that's not at all what the article is about. It's just kind of a casual chat with Stoya, and at some point you mention the male feminist. But like, yeah, that's vice for you. It's sort of, sort of like dealing with Huffington Post. You know, they're going to pull the most scandalous thing. Sure. And Vice, you know, they're going to pull like the the most like, ooh, this is a somewhat inverted assumption that their audience might make, or like something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, for me, the the, the the interesting part was in this, uh, just, uh, she asked, don't, do you prefer don't ask, don't tell, or did you discuss your hookups? Did you have rules? This is in regards to dating people at home. We're not talking about the don't ask, don't tell military uh, policy. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, you said, I, I know a lot of people that do the don't ask, don't tell thing, but that's not for me. I think you need to have expectations and agreements in open, open relationships, but any rules, in my opinion, seem to eventually not serve people well. I can't be in a relationship where I can't talk about everything I did with my week with my partner. I don't need to give them a full blow-by-blow report, pun intended, but if the most important thing that happened that week was that I had some crazy sex adventure, then I have to be able to at least mention it. Um... I have in the in the past um, just had a by default don't ask don't tell policy where uh, but not like a uh, not like a rule you know what I mean because I, I guess my thing is there's a balance right as a as a guy there's a balance between I want to be open and honest with my partner and let me tell you about this chick I banged. Yeah. You, don't, you don't want to be that. So it's like, well, I don't necessarily – so I'm not necessarily going to, you know, every time I see them be like, hey, since the last time we talked, I went, you know, I did this and I went down on this girl and, and this one blew me or whatever. You know, there's no reason to discuss that. If they asked, I would absolutely tell them. But if it doesn't come up, I'm just like, I don't – I guess I don't see the point in saying anything. But, you know, unfortunately, apparently in the poly world, of which I – I found myself uh, the uh, that that just using that phrase just will kill a kill a date completely. I, I found that out on a date, <laughs> so yeah. Apparently, you're not supposed to say that. Okay. What is your? Do you have policies of sorts like that? Do you tell them, hey, by the way, I'm going to tell you when shit happens, or what? I'm. I'm such an outlier here because... <laughs> well, that's what I'm asking about. Not like, how so, do people, but how do you? So, I, um, I work in pornography. And so, I go and I have sex with people and it's videotaped and then those videos go online. And then I go around and I talk about the videos and attempt to sell the videos. And then sometimes I go and I write stuff and I talk about sex that I had with people that wasn't videotaped um, mm-hmm. or had absolutely nothing to do with pornography. And it's all on my social media. And so it's kind of this, like, there's no such thing as don't ask, don't tell, unless I was going to start compartmentalizing my career and my personal life, which I'm just not capable of. And I would probably have a lot more money and <laughs> had a much easier time in the adult film industry if I was able to do that but I'm not. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, so you sit up front. You just there's no even reason. They know what you do. Like they're just gonna have to deal. Yeah, it's just like look, like this is who I am, and if like if it's gonna feel like it's being rubbed in a person's face, or like if it's going to, because um, some some people I believe just are monogamous like that's the way that they're wired yeah absolutely uh, um there's also probably a lot of people who are mostly monogamous um mm-hmm. and that i believe has something to do with the emotional response that they have like whether whether their emotional response to knowing that a partner that they care about is having sex with someone else, whether it's like arousal 
or being happy that they know they're having a good time or like a just blocking just it out. Shrug. <laughs> yeah, or or feelings of jealousy that maybe they're able to work through because this like a lifestyle that involves an open relationship is important to them for some reason. And some people just can't deal with it. And so there's also partially a like you know, it would be like it would, it would be equivalent to trying to date a homosexual man. Like it's like look, this is just because of the way that I'm wired and the way that this straw person is wired. Not gonna work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's where I have trouble with the with the dating apps. It's like uh, I like that OkCupid has the option for non monogamous dating. So I have that turned on and I would say pretty much only I exclusively go on those dates if they have that checked. If they don't, I'm really like, you know, big raised eyebrow. Like, are you, did you read my profile now? Cause like, uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm fine with having the conversation, but if you didn't check that, I have to wonder why. And yeah, so on Tinder and you know Bumble and Hinge and Hot or Not and okay, uh, the other ones they don't have that option. So I just have to like look and see if they mention it, and that's a you know that can be a tricky thing. Um, so I've used Tinder less and less because of that because I've gone on dates and hit it off well, and then you know I mentioned I'm I'm a poly kind of person. I like you know multiple partners. I like things like that and they're like oh see I'm a one man woman and I'm like okay well it's been great meeting you <laughs> it's a lovely time I'll pay the tab I'll see you good luck out there yeah uh, yeah because you just at some point you're just like look I, I've done that I, I've, I can't go back down that road you know I'm sorry it's not gonna work maybe one day but I, I don't see it you know I've been single for nine years now almost <laughs> or yeah a little over eight years so I'm like and I remember when I when after my last breakup, I remember going like, "Okay, I'm gonna stay single for a few years just to figure out what I want." And I'm only a little closer to figuring it out. And so all I've got is probably not monogamy. It's about what I come up with. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hard because I'm also like not the the way that most people who identify as poly run things also doesn't fit well for me. <laughs> yeah, you're more opportunist than Polly. Well, it's... Ah, see, it's not opportunist so much as it's if I wanted a world filled with Google calendars, like shared Google calendars and like um spreadsheets and like intricate time management to like be sort of seriously dating multiple people. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Like, yeah, that's what I'm like, saying. Like nine to five jobs a lot and like Yeah, yeah. Well that's what that's why I'm saying opportunist is because it's like you have moments, uh, not to get anybody's hopes up who's listening, but you have had your moments. Uh well, you'll you'll tell me that you'll be like, yeah, I was doing this thing, and there was a guy there, and I was just like, okay, we're gonna do this, you know, and that's pretty much it. 
And there's not yeah. like there's not not that you couldn't even consider that a relationship. It wasn't even really a hookup. Just like we banged in this bathroom and you know I went back to work or whatever. Sometimes, sometimes did that. There's that which I call sport fucking. Okay. And then sometimes, um, sometimes that will turn into uh, someone called them. Someone referred to them as known vendors. <laughs> I like <laughs> trust, it. I like it. Trusted vendors. Trusted vendors is what it was. But it's like, like okay, like I know them. I know that we will have fun together. I know they're not going to do anything scary. Um, you know. Sure. And then it'll be like, you know, there's um, there's one who I met on um, when I was working in Paris one time. And then when I go through, sometimes we see each other and we have dinner, and sometimes we see each other and we have sex, and sometimes both. Yeah. But Why not? it's like I like him as a person, and then if it's a good time for everyone to have sex, then <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. And that would be – that's not – I'm in Paris. I need to go find a person who I can have in that part – that compartment in my life and it's not you know this is serious let's move him from Paris over here and it's not planning a trip to Paris just for that but it happened and it was fun and there's no reason to not have it ever happen again yeah still quite enjoyable so fuck it we don't like text all the time (laughs) yeah yeah no exactly I I get that I've had those got plenty of those (laughs) it was just like hey I'm in town (laughs) or like Look, I'm a or touring like comedian. It happens. Yeah, I got, yeah. I got those. So, yeah, I, I get it. Okay, uh, this is an interesting listener question we got just after the last podcast. Um, so I apologize to to uh, Luke from the UK. He signed it that way, so I assume it's okay to use his name. I mean, I guess if you're wandering around UK looking for a man named Luke. You know, you could just start shouting out the podcast and see if you, any, anybody perks up, you know. Anyhow. I mean, one, one would think it would be okay, but you'd also be surprised. I've had people get very upset. Um, okay. When, like, well, if, he, if, he put a, if he put a real last name in there, it'd be a different story. I wouldn't anybody use anybody's last name. But, okay, in the future, if you message us something and you don't want your name used, just say at the bottom, anonymous or something. Something to let me know, don't say my name. But also, if you don't sign it, I'm not going to go, oh, this came from, you know, bobjones at gmail.com. I'm not going to do that. You know? <laughs> All right. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to ask you guys if you think porn affects people's sexual preferences. I know there's the typical porn warps your mind overreaction, but that's not what I'm getting at. So, for instance, before I saw the scene on, uh, on a website that you and I worked on, I didn't particularly think I had an interest in a thing they had interest in. I'm trying to be polite to the gentleman. Um, then I saw that scene and I thought, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So that was new for me. I've had experiences, uh, similar experiences with other scenes which I've gone on to incorporate not directly try to replicate. I know that's a terrible idea. In my own sex life. This guy's got his head on straight. I just want to say that. Uh, and as people in that world, I was curious about your take on it. Thanks for taking time to read this. Well, thank you, Luke. I, I, I guess the question is kind of um, do you do you do you think that porn is is, I mean, affecting people's sexual preferences in general? I, 
I definitely think that the internet has made it a lot easier for people with a specific sexual preference to go online and find out that they're not alone mm-hmm. in that. Um, and whether it's pornographic videos or photos still float around sometimes. Um, whole lot of erotic lit. Yeah, erotic stories definitely, or just like message boards mm-hmm. that you'll you'll see if you like dig on the message boards that are like niche specific. People sometimes like find one for the first time and go, "Oh my god, I thought it was just me," mm-hmm. uh, and that can help people feel much more comfortable with their sexuality. Also, I think just exposure to the variety. So if you grew up, if you grew up only eating grilled cheeses and hamburgers and lasagna Mm. and breakfast cereal, that's all you ate for the first 25 years of your life. And then suddenly you found a large grocery store. Yeah. You'd be like, holy shit. Yeah. What's this? What's that? Oh, I want to try this. Oh, this is good. Oh, that was that. Like, um, Do not end up Brussels sprouts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, um, that can, like, that definitely seems like a thing that's at work as well. And there's at least some amount of people with no access to decent sexual education who go straight to porn and don't think to look for sex ed online and then decide to use it like it's a nature documentary on the mating of humans. And it's um, it's unfortunate, but... With the people who do that and don't exercise critical thinking mm-hmm. with what they're viewing, then I'm sure that that affects the sexual activities that they engage in. I don't know that it necessarily makes it a preference for them, though, and it might result in situations where, like, um, you've got two people who are doing what they think they're supposed to do because they saw it in a porno and then it turns out that actually nobody was enjoying the hair pulling or something. I don't know. Yeah, Um, yeah. You certainly don't want to... You don't want your your, uh, sexual uh, awakening be going from making out to slapping her in the face and spitting in her mouth. Like, you're missing quite a few steps in between. Yes. That you need to, like, work your way towards. How they feel about being slapped or having their mouth. That's, that's the headline here, but I'm just well. That's that's something that kind of concerns me about like the Tumblr doms. You know, it's these these Tumblr blogs. They're filled with you know just out of context gifts of really rough play, and then God knows who's behind the keyboard typing their own little like miniature fanfic. You know about you know oh you take it that slut from daddy your daddy's whore and I'll show you how to do a dick and a thing and a face and and you just, it worries me because the young you know a, a, 
a 17-year-old boy who's like, you know, played around with dominant roles with, you know, just in, in course of natural heavy petting with chicks, uh, looks that stuff up and he's like, oh, that's what it's about. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, it most certainly is not. I mean, it can be, but not after, not until quite a long conversation uh, at the very and- least. Even even when porn companies do package that context with the product, like, mm. for instance, kink.com would yeah. have the before interviews and then they would show some of the aftercare as well. Yeah. Uh, so even even when porn companies do go that extra step when it gets like when the scene gets ripped and plastered up on a tube site or when just a gift gets pulled and it gets put on Tumblr without even a link to the company that it came from or like any mention of the company that it came from for that matter, then that context is wasted. Context is key. Um, and, and especially, yeah, in the, in the world of BDSM, it's very unfortunate. There isn't enough, um, positive role models without, with the for lack of a better term something of that nature because you know look I, I think people who are into certainly anybody who's who's in the BDSM scene safely right now uh, vehemently despises uh, Fifty Shades of Grey yeah what I I I, I oh, the 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 board housewife much like the board housewife that wrote Fifty Shades of Grey the board housewife who reads the books and thinks about it and masturbates to it, I'm not concerned. You know, there's... We, she doesn't need a class and shit like that. She, Her husband's probably not going to ever get into this stuff with her, and she probably would be a little bit too reticent to try it anyway, but it's a fun fantasy. Fine. Cool. Got no problem. Yeah. What I don't know what does concern me is... <laughs> think of the kids. Uh, is the younger... A younger person, you know, a boy or girl from 14 to, say, 19, that that's their exposure to rough sex and BDSM is Fifty Shades of Grey. And they're like, oh, that sounds fascinating. And, you know, boy, he could not have picked a worse role model. <laughs> so it's just that that wor- I don't know. It worries me. It's a thing. It worries uh, me as well, because so much of Christian Grey's behavior in the story is just red flag after red flag right I I always uh, I take issue I'm like let me see if I've got this right he's a young billionaire and he's a dom <laughs> okay all right okay. yeah uh, yeah that too <laughs> you know if you know that world that's the guy who's paying you to shit in his mouth like that's <laughs> like and slap him violently in the face with like so, like a dead animal or something just saying, it uh, uh, Martin Shkreli. I guarantee you, that I, I I will I will be amazed if if some New York dominatrix who's uh, you know on the edge of retirement doesn't just before or just after retiring go. Boy, do I have some Martin Shkreli stories for y'all. Uh, <laughs> but you don't you you don't do this. It's sort of the code code of ethics. You don't talk about your clientele. You know that kind of thing. So you'd have yeah. to be done with the business, which you know, a dominatrix, especially in New York, um, you can work till you're ninety. Like yeah, you still get work. As, a, and it, as much as I think it would be great if everyone could be honest about, like, forthcomingly honest about their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, 
unless it's unless it's a case of like Martin Shkreli did something heinous. Um, yeah. Then it's it's also kind of rude to go telling All stories. Right. That's fair. That's that, fair. That's yeah. fair. Well, it's it's like I don't you know I don't talk specifics about people I've you know been with or anything else like that. For, for many years, you know, even privately, if people knew I knew you and were like, did you ever have sex? I'd be like, listen, let's not, let's not talk about that. Because you know? it's like, I don't, like, I don't want to, you know, whatever, she has sex for a living, whatever, I still don't want to. And then you wrote it on your blog and I was like, okay, well now I can tell people. Now I can say, so I'd be like, read the article or something. I'm like, yeah, meanwhile, I'm like, I wrote about this in my blog. Mitch, is this okay to publish? Mark <laughs> wants to have it illustrated and print it. <laughs> You wrote the blog under the title of just my name, and then it later got illustrated and uh, printed in thousands of heavy metal magazines. Um, I no part of that I'm upset by, but you know. Um, so that's what I'm saying. It's like and now I'm like, okay, well, when I talk about her, somebody asks me that question, I can be honest now instead of just going, oh, let's not. All right, I don't want to. Okay, we'll end on this because uh, this is fascinating to me. We talked uh, about a week ago or something, and you had made a slightly more than a brief mention, but not enough of a discussion where I could explain to people what the hell I heard. So you had told me before we talked, I think you had texted me, like, remind me to tell you about the Denver thing. And I was like, mm hmm. I am intrigued. Do go on. And uh, <laughs> and you said that you were okay. It was I think it was the Exotica conference convention in Denver, <laughs> and you had if I'm if I'm understanding correctly, you had something of a symposium or a, at least an opportunity where you were speaking in front of a group of people. And, okay. okay, and you played a so little game. I've I've been doing the Exotica convention pretty consistently for like seven, eight years, I think, uh, a while. And they, they do this thing where once a day they round up a bunch of performers and on the main stage they do the Ask a Porn Star Q&A panel. And my God, did that get old after a while because you get some like truly amazing questions like, how do you girls avoid getting pregnant? <laughs> yeah. And then there's the, there's like, which performer is your favorite to work with? And everybody on stage is like, no, but no, just no, <laughs> not walking into that trap. <laughs> you mean what all other performers will I never work with again by answering this question? <laughs> yeah. Or like, what all other performers are going to be like teasing me about not saying them and it's going to be annoying. Um, yeah. So after doing this panel over and over and over, um, one time they, uh, last year they asked me to do, um, a seminar that, uh, join a seminar that Sydney Leathers was doing about politics. Um, and so I, I did that with her in a couple of cities and then I went to the Exotica staff and I was like, guys, could we 
maybe I do a seminar that um, is like plays to my strength, and <laughs> then can it be like I do this seminar and don't have to do the Q and A panel anymore? So <laughs> they agreed, and I was shit. What am I gonna do? Um, and then then I decided I'd try. Um, a modified game of bingo, which actually doesn't really involve much of bingo at all, except for the wheel and the balls. And I was like, hey, guys, typey, type, type, type. Here's what I'm going to do. Talking about sex with Stoya and um, the bingo cage and the ideas like, you know, convention center lights, which are pretty icky and a whole room full of strangers and this like super awkward bingo wheel thing going on and then (laughs) you know we practice it here and it'll be in theory easier out in the wild um so i did it in new jersey at the end of the year last year and it 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 went it seemed to go over well people had fun And then Exotica was trying Denver um, this year. They hadn't done that city before, but it it went well. And I I brought the cage. And um, in New Jersey, the staff had thought I was joking when I said I was bringing a bingo wheel. (laughs) And so... On, like, the program, it was... In their defense, you do sometimes say some weird stuff just to see what happens, so... (laughs) 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 Talking about sex with Stoya and Bingo Wheel. (laughs) I can't wait to meet this Bingo Wheel. I wonder what he looks like. She looks like. I think Bingo Wheel is a you know. What's that? And then I showed up, and they were like, you Uh, actually have a Bingo Wheel. Yeah. That's not the nickname of your buddy. <laughs> My mind, Bingo Wheel is a clown on a unicycle who comes out and just every time you say something uh, salacious, he goes whoa and honks a horn. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's actually Hi, my terrifying I'm Bingo wheel. alter ego. What's that? Wait, it's actually my terrifying alter ego. Wait, what were you saying? <laughs> I was just uh, made up the clown thing. All right. Anyway, okay. So you showed up with an actual true to god bingo wheel. I'm curious how you ended up with one of those, but that's all right. Oh, I bought one. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was thinking was... actually no, because you said thinking about the balls, the balls in a cage, right? Like they do in lottery things. Yeah. Did you get one of those too? Yes. Wow. That's that's what I'm referring to as the wheel or cage. Oh, okay. It's the thing all that's right. got all the, got all the balls in it. Got a bunch of ping pong balls in there and shit. Basically. Okay, um, cool. And so then for Denver, they didn't mention the bingo wheel on the program. And <laughs> people showed up and I, I gave my spiel and I was like, <laughs> and in fact, I was not joking about the bingo wheel. And the audience was like, nobody said anything about a bingo wheel until we got here. And I was like, all right, sweet. We're just gonna keep proceeding as I planned. It really takes the wind out of your sails when you do that, but all right. Just <laughs> yeah. like focus on the goal. Yeah, uh, right. And then it's people. So 
a volunteer comes down and spins the wheel and gets the ball and then we match it to the chart with all the words um, or with all the all the different numbers have corresponding words that relate to sex in some way. So body parts, sexual acts. Um, I think there's some slightly more like psychological or emotional stuff in there as well. And then whatever word they've randomly been given, they have to say something about it. And it can be an erotic story. It can be a question. It can be a qualm. That's why the person's never tried it. It can be a, I had this one experience and I, that's, I felt like kind of meh about it. Like whatever, whatever they want to say, just talk about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Try to avoid jokes though. And of course people make jokes anyway, but when you say you can make a joke if you want, then it gets a little, it's a little wacky. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we were going along and then like a few minutes in this woman towards the front, um, she raises her hand and I'm like, yes. And she's like, I thought we were going to have sort of a different kind of experience. And I'm like, what do you think you're going to have? And she's like, more like this. And I'm like, do you want to come down and do that? Because if so, the floor is yours because like the the goal here is to have people talking about sex. And so I'm like if they're like, yeah. we want to do more intense talking. And I'm like, fuck yeah, how can I expedite? And then she came down and then um, shortly after that, another woman who had been a couple of rows behind her raised her hand and was like, you don't seem like you want to be seen. And she she was like, well, no, I'm I'm really uncomfortable up here. <laughs> that turned into a whole discussion on exhibitionism and voyeurism with lots of people doing personal sharing. Now, it was real quick, the, beautiful. The first woman who, who said that she thought it was going to be a different way without giving away too much detail, I guess, is why you're being vague. But what was it that she was kind of hoping to see or expecting, I guess? Well, it – um. It generally seemed like she was hoping for something more serious. Um, okay. And I'm totally fine with that, but I feel like it's better when the room asks for that. Yeah. As opposed to me, like, like the bingo wheel is supposed to be basically stupid. It's an icebreaker. Yeah. And so letting letting kind of the room decide, you know, and kind of like that mass consciousness thing that happens in an audience or like certain spaces. Yeah. Letting letting basically like the feeling in the room get to the point where a person is like, I'd like to take this more serious. Hmm. That feels ideal. Um, and so what I learned from the second time I did the workshop is like, all right, the bingo wheel is great as an icebreaker. I want to figure out how to like help facilitate getting from the icebreaker to the point where they're like, let's get more serious. 
Um, yeah. And how to do that, I don't know. I should probably start reading books. I don't know what subject to start reading on, though. I got a few books. You can Sweet. Um, so, so then you, you the, the conversation evolved towards um, exhibitionism, and then were, were other people just basically raising their hand at that point? Yeah, lots of lots of people raising their hands um, and discussing things with each other. Though once I like once I would be like, yes, you like they would turn to the person who had been speaking previously and respond. And there was a lot of sharing. Um, interestingly, that room ended up going from like exhibitionism and voyeurism over to love and intimacy within a marriage um, which was that's like an an intimacy within a marriage over the course of like a decade or so is something that's completely foreign to me so it was it was this like okay like now I'm just here very quiet only organizing who's put their hand up to say they want to talk and like trying Mm. to call on them in an appropriate order and then it ended up with um it was a man who if i'm remembering correctly said that he'd been homeschooled um and then he was talking about like talking with other men about sex Hmm. And another man put his hand up and was like, I've never had a conversation with another man about sex that wasn't like. So I put it in her butt and then she. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then when he finished saying what he had to say, I was like, "Okay, guys in the room who do talk with other men about sex in a way that feels like healthy and like a real conversation. And you're talking about you your feelings it? behind it and not like just a physical act in a sort of you know, penthouse letters kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there were men basically saying they're not entirely sure how they do it and it can be very difficult. Uh, <laughs> So I, at that point, I wished I had like me with a penis and a male gender identity to be, so I could be like, hey, because like when it's like, like when someone comes up and they pull anal and they're like, I don't know how to have anal sex without it hurting, and then I go, hey, room, anybody got any tips? And if the room's like, then I can be like, well, here's what I know about anal sex, like, right, right. You're like, this, this is my fort right here. But then they talk about male identity, and you're like, ah, shit, I'm fucked on that. Yeah, they're not my department. Well, unfortunately, we don't have supersonic flights to get me from here to Denver in the middle of that conversation. But, you know, in the future, uh, I'll be happy <laughs> to be a male counterpart on that. And I do those Q&A sessions myself on a tour with uh, some friends of mine. Call it Dismantled, and we... We do our comedy and then we do a Q&A where people write down questions during the intermission and then they're anonymous so we don't ever go like, who wrote this, you know. Um, sometimes you can tell. Sometimes they'll go, that's my question. You're like, okay, well, now I know who wrote this, you know. Um, and sometimes, yeah, a lot of the times it's mostly, you know, we're comedians. It's mostly joking questions. But sometimes we get kind of serious, you know. It's surprising 
somebody will ask something that seems kind of innocuous and like one of one of us will suddenly get into a very serious thing and it's like okay that's great you know i'm not gonna jump on that i'm not gonna, i have nothing to add great question great answer next you know so yeah that's it, fun i love i love a good like open q a session those are fucking a blast but uh yeah they are it is it's unfortunate it it it, it saddens me that I don't. I don't have a solution to the problem except find new friends, I guess. But it saddens me that there are men who don't have. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this today. It's just like if 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 you can't cry in front of someone, they're not your friend. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, true friend. You can call. You know, they're a companion, or they're a, or not. They're a, an associate or something. You know what I mean? But I feel like, you know. I've had, I, you know, myself and friends of mine have gone through serious shit, and we've cried in front of each other and hugged and things like that. And you don't ever want to feel like you don't want to, especially when it comes to fucking masculinity. God damn it! Just a goddamn, it's a fucking curse. Uh, it's a very, as a man, it's a very vulnerable place to cry in front of anybody, especially another man. Um, if crying in front of a woman, you know. You're kind of like, they'll understand, especially like odds are they've cried in front of you. Whoever the woman is you're crying in front of, you've probably seen them cry at least four or five times to your one. Uh, but in front of another guy, it's, you know, there's just a there's like a fucking lizard in there or something. Your, your father is hanging out in your head going, oh, look at this pussy crying tears. Fucking man up, puss, you know. And uh, so to cry in front of a male friend and their response is to run over and give you a hug. You're like, we're going to be friends for life. Like, I love this person and we're good. Like, you know, um, and it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, they don't have that, but it's also entirely possible. They do have that. And just it's grandstanding as, as men will do as masculinity will do is masculinity is so much about, about appearance and grandstanding that, you know, you don't know that you could have a super serious emotional conversation with a man until you try to have that conversation. Yeah. Because he might just be putting on a front thinking that he needs to do that for you. And if you're also, it's like two people playing characters and they don't know that they're not supposed to. Like, no, just, you can drop the fucking character. We can talk about, like, the emotional feeling you had when you had sex with your girlfriend last night. Like, we can have that conversation. I don't need to hear that, like, oh, man, she was choking on the dick, and, you know. No, like, we can have a thing where you're like, I don't know, we just, there was a feeling, we came together, and it's like, you know, that's what I love about her, you know, we were two bodies as one, and, you know, that kind of thing, where you're like, that's fascinating, tell me more, you know. Um, it's unfortunate. I, think, so, yeah. I think a lot of it just is reminding people that they can talk about sex and sexuality. Yeah. It's important. It's it's another unfortunate thing about the education system is that it's so very clinical to where it's like the penis enters the vagina and then sperm is released and it reaches the egg and then she has a baby. If that doesn't happen, you try again. If you don't want that to happen, put this thing on your dick and okay, end of story. Yes, sir, <laughs> but what about cunnilingus? I don't think that's a thing. And they also like they put up those, those horrifying pictures sometimes, where it's like <laughs> yeah. 
HPV and it like yeah, looks yeah. like a cauliflower. You're you're like, like, I don't okay, want to touch but, one of those at all. Yeah. But like, but like also, I worry sometimes that people are wandering around and like, yeah, looking at someone's genitals before they have sex with them for the first time, but not understanding that it doesn't always look like a cauliflower. <laughs> Mm. Or gonorrhea doesn't always mean visibly green stuff is oozing out, like... Yeah, yeah. And thankfully, there's been a lot of medical advances to where there's barely ever any symptoms for most things. So it's like, you just have it and it's fine, whatever, who cares? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how that... It's like... Um, <clears throat> it's funny how the, the way between the... Between the sex education and then your own personal discovery of things and like going, oh, that that seemed really weird when I was a kid, but it's totally normal to me now kind of thing. I remember when I was like 13 or something like that, there was a girl uh, who was a friend. She was kind of an ex. We like dated for three days. Apparently she did it as, a, as part of a dare. Oh. Uh, so that, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Look. I finally kissed somebody, so I was not really that upset about it. But it was still okay. like, that's weird. Uh, at any rate, uh, but we th- we remained friends. And um, she had an older uh, boyfriend, which I, thinking back now as a, as a man in his late 30s, uh, I'm like, oh, that's wildly inappropriate. But at the time, I just thought, he's a little old. He's like 20. <laughs> okay, that's, you know. And, you know, it was just like, oh, she's dating the cool older guy. But, you know, yeah, looking back, I'm like, he was 20 and she was 13. That's. Yeah, no, it's. There's really nothing okay unsettling. about that. Yeah, there's nothing okay about that. Um, but she had told me about. She had, she had said uh, something like her favorite thing is that he eats her out. That was the specific term that she used. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, cool, okay. And then I had to turn to my friend, like, what, what the fuck does that mean? And he's like, you know, eat her out. Like, she, you know, but he licks her in vagina. I think he said vagina. I don't remember. I don't think he said the per- pussy. I'm almost certain he said vagina. And, he's like, you know, he's like in the, and I was like, oh, you're like a, like a dry heave uh, <laughs> reaction. I was like, people don't do that. She pees out of that thing, you know, like... <laughs> I remember, I remember thinking that in my brain, like, "Oh my god, oh no, thank you," because I, you know, I'd collected porn magazines as a kid, so I'd seen that kind of thing, and I just thought, "Well, this is what por- pornographers do. <laughs> this is not what like my mother has never put a penis in her mouth. Like that's what you want <laughs> pornography magazines because somebody's paying you to like be a be you know over the top and like you know." Like any other thing, like on TV or whatever the hell else have you, it's like somebody's doing an extreme version of what normal people do. So that's what I assumed happened. And I just remember going like, oh, there's no, no, thank you. And then a scant like three years later, I'm just, you know, will eat pussy for pussy kind of uh, <laughs> sign. <laughs> I've had dates where that's all I did kind of thing, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it does sort of evolve and change over time the things that you know and and again sex education doesn't really at least in this country doesn't really allow for that or doesn't doesn't discuss sexuality in a healthy way in any way you know it's not it's not a healthy discussion it's very like 
procreation, blah, 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 and also use condoms, you know. And the condoms yeah. talk, it depends on where you go, but generally speaking, that's just like, you're very young and you shouldn't be having babies, which is great advice. But like, okay, can we talk about like why people go through so much work? Like, can we, can we talk about why people are having sex? That's um, a couple of years ago when I was in Mexico City, I saw there were these like full size eight and a half by 11, pretty thick booklets mm-hmm. um, around at the the sex convention that I was at because that's like the only reason I ever go places. But, um, <laughs> oh, you poor thing. <laughs> just, just all your job vendor tables and crops and convention centers and airport motels. Um, sometimes it's a hotel and that's really exciting. But um the yeah the it was their I believe official sex ed program and it was that comprehensive and I I don't speak Spanish at all um, like every once in a while I can remember a word for a thing but it's Hola K R S Gracias de nada uh, yeah that's um, Frio what's that Frio I don't think I know that one. It's cold. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, I know because it's part of how you order iced coffee. It's pretty integral. I'm, uh, not sure, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but I think it's pronounced piso mojado. means wet floor because I see that on the wet floor signs. Which also oh. sounds, I've always thought was sounds like a good send off. Hey, man, I'll see you later. Piso mojado. It sounds like that. Yeah, like why didn't they use that instead of Hakuna Matata in the line? Piece of mojado. (laughs) And you just got wet floor. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, people at home, feel free to use that as your your, uh, your send-off. But it it included Uh, all sorts of stuff, um, including like gender identity. And I I was blown away by how good the program looked. Nice. Huh. You didn't have to bring the bingo wheel. They were like, no, we got this. We're good. Yeah, I know. This is, this is before the bingo wheel. Mm. I got you. Took well, me 30 uh, years of life to have that moment of extreme genius. Um, listen, it, it's it, that's how things go. <laughs> You never know when it's going to be a moment of extreme genius. Everything's kind of a dumb idea until somebody agrees with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sort of a just a yeah. rule. <laughs> I, mean, I think sometimes I'll end up spending like an hour plus on the phone with Wolf Hudson, mm-hmm. and a big chunk of the conversation ends up being basically just us running our weird ideas past each other right and then you know when like stuck when the other of us will yes and it right right so, so like I was um <clears throat> he sent me the uh there's this video clip of one of like the big mega churches services and this guy came down and then he was like I'm not gay no more <laughs> and and I watched it and it was hilarious. And then I was like, I actually kind of want to do like a, um, 
a live streamed 24 hour telethon kind of thing, but in that evangelical style, but porno. Hmm. And then he went, oh my God, and like built on it. And then I was like, yes, I have been moved to come here. I have been compelled by the voice of the Lord to bring my vagina and vulva down to the stage and spread it open and share it with you all. And we just we, <laughs> we just went on like that for 20 fucking minutes. At which Look forward to that like, movie coming to zerospaces.com later in 2018, perhaps. So. Maybe that's how we'll raise some serious funding. Yeah, I feel like even if you're not into porn, you're going to watch it because this is just fucking like, incredibly weird. Yeah, like just like what the ever-loving fuck is happening. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I cannot look away. <laughs> that's that's the goal. Um. Yeah. Like if you're out in the wild and you see two, two uh, small like bugs that you can't even identify and you think they're having sex and you're not even sure. And you're just like, I'm watching this for a while. Like, I don't know what I'm seeing or what I what is engaged in it or why they're doing it. But damn, if this ain't fascinating. Where's David Attenborough when you need him to... Oh, what they're doing is one beetle holds the other beetle down. Pull the peppers is on preparation. No. Um, yeah, so I feel like I would watch that just because I'm like I don't, I'm putting that on the big screen and we're just going to figure this out as we go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Call in from the telephone line. Yeah, I don't know what I'm seeing when I'm giving you ten bucks. Uh, this is great. Keep it going. I have, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, everybody who listens to this is going to be like, "What? Where do I? Where do I sign up? Where is that? Where do I watch that?" See, that's what I get. It's, if if the response is good, then that's a. A vote in the pull the trigger on it column. Yeah, yeah. The bitch of it is, is you got to do all this shit independently. There's not a lot of people that do like that are super cool about live streaming adult stuff. But you know, um, well, there's a way where there's a will. There's a way. Yeah. We forgot to mention where the aural part came from. Oh yeah, I guess I did. Man, I, I, I was I was meaning to say that in the beginning. I guess I didn't. I was just it was one of those things where I was like, I wonder if anyone who remembers Arl Salvation will also be listening to this. That's going to be trippy for them if they, you know, if they're like, I remember Arl Salvation, uh, because that means that they potentially saw the night that we met. I feel I feel like at least Farhad will be excited. Ooh, I'll let him know. I'll tag him. Hey, Farhad. <laughs> Stoya remembers you, your name, and dropped it on the podcast. He's uh, doing a... He's got a beer company with his brother. Um, or, like, I don't think they make beer, but they, like, import all these weird beers, and then they run a website where they ship them. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of... I don't really know much about it. I haven't seen the guy in years, but we talk every once in a while. Uh, like, you know... Seems pretty cool. Seems like a pretty cool thing. I know he wanted to open a bar for a while. I don't know if he's currently working on that but the Farhad Barhad is what I would call it but who knows what he's going to (laughs) do I would call it Farhad's Barhad but you know that's me I'm weird like that 
but yeah, yeah. Uh, when we, I, I had said to Stoya, well, the only idea I've got is maybe zero spaces or uh, zero faces or zero places. And she immediately wrote out, how about aural spaces? And I was like, okay, that's a better, it's a better name. Which, yeah, sort of combines how, um, how we met with where we are today. So it's kind of... Yes. You know, it's got I, a lot. There's a lot to it. I mean, I have no recollection of this steep uphill pavement incident of, of which you speak. Um, I don't remember if we've talked about that publicly. <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, well, very quickly then, if we haven't... Um, I, I was uh, the host of an internet TV show, uh, and I used to do a weekly show with godsgirls.com, because I knew them and later became the webmaster for godsgirls.com, and the lead designer, and now lead programmer, and now it's I, I pretty much run everything godsgirls.com related. It's all me. So... <laughs> I, I waded into that quite by accident, but, you know, these things happen. Um, but I would do a weekly show and uh, – or, I mean, I did a nightly show, Monday through Friday. But every week – I think it was on Monday – we would have, like, a selection of God's Girls models come on the show. And Stoya was a recent model on the site. And I remember there was, like, a lot of buzz about her on the site, weirdly. Um, well, there was a little bit of a controversy because – I had Oh, you did razor dolls too. Blue hair. No, oh. nothing to do with razor dolls actually. Oh, okay. But I had blue pieces in my hair and then totally blue hair and I had the the nipple piercings. Um but I didn't have any visible tattoos. I don't think I had any tattoos at the time. And so there was a little bit of a like are we sure she's alt? And then Annalise was like, her soul is alt. And then everything <laughs> I just remember people talking about, like, on the site, you'd get mentioned a lot. And I was just, I just remember thinking that. And I was like, okay, well, I don't, uh, you know, whatever. Because it's like, at that time, models were coming and going. Or not really going, they were just coming in. And it's like, you never knew who was going to stick around or what was going to be their thing or how active they'd be and things like that. Anyway, so you, the night you came on, uh, Stoya showed up in platform plastic heels. They were, I, I recall them being clear, but I'm almost certain they were like glass looking, but they were plastic. You they had, they had the thing. big clear platform. These were stripper shoes. Yeah. I went to the stripper boutique in Philadelphia yeah. Appointment only, and got the. They were clear, clear platform, um, silver-ish looking heel, yeah. and neon orange. Um, oh yeah, okay, all right. Up to right. the up to the calf booties. They were a lot. Yeah. So she's wearing those, and the studio for where we would film our salvation was up a kind of a hill. But an asphalt hill. It was like a driveway you'd see maybe in a, in a rich person's house. But it was He's asphalt. He's saying not hill, but it's like steeper than a staircase. Yes, absolutely. We did have stairs, but Stoya showed up, cigarette in one hand, cell phone in the other hand, and, and up to her ear. She was in the middle of a phone call. 
And I see the heels and I see her starting up the hill and I got in front and I, you know, I don't want to, you know, scare the girl or anything. So I didn't like grab her or anything, but I kept saying, you're going to eat shit on this hill. There's stairs right over there. Let's go to the stairs. Let's go to this. Can we go to the stairs? There's stairs right over there. Right. Can we just, let me just walk you over to the stairs because you're going to eat shit. And you're talking to somebody and you're like looking down and you looked up at me and, and you put the finger up like, like, hold please. Like I'm in the middle of a call, can't you see? You know the the hold please finger, and I'm like I I, I can't hold because you're going to eat shit and you're smoking and you're like yeah anyway so I'm at this thing and you're like walking up the hill and I'm just holding my arms out because I'm like any second now, and then you did fall and I grabbed I reached out and you landed basically on my forearms. Thankfully they were thigh high boots so you didn't hit your knees too bad. And then you were like, I gotta go when you hung up the phone. And I was like, okay, let's try to get you up this hill together. And you basically, I basically gave you a back ride up the hill because there was just no way you were going to make it. The boots were only up my calf. I'm pretty sure I got skinny out of it. Probably did. Yeah, they probably did then bang up your kneecap. The thing is, like, I have, I have all of the footage from those old shows. Uh, I've never thrown that away. So somewhere I have a DVD of that, of that the subsequent interview, and probably t- telling the story as as like moments after it happened. But I could be wrong. I'm not sure. I may have not said the story because I didn't want to like be like, well, let me tell you how much of a fuck up this girl is. You know, there you it's go, also so. possible that you were like in the middle of saying something, and I was like. I almost ate shit because I was really busy on my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You are the type to just bring up an awkward you know, thing that happened. So it's possible, yeah. One time I was on a radio show and the host asked if he could see my panties and or maybe it was something. Anyway, he, he wanted me to pull up my skirt and I did and there was a big maxi pad in there because – I don't know. I'd run out of tampons or something. Who knows? Um, yeah, yeah. And then he he went like he was gonna like just like pretend he had not seen a giant maxi pad, and he's not like total shock jock, but it, right. It's Morning just, radio like, is what it is. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, I see you trying to figure out how you're gonna not describe my giant maxi pad. And he was like, well, if you're going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's on him, you know. Yeah, choices in I'm life. Saying, yeah, it's like if you're going to just – if you're going to roll that dice, I mean, you know. Yeah. God's Girls, the like early days turned out to be an odd sort of sorority. Yeah. Like I – Chelsea Chainsaw published the book that I just put out with Steve Prue. Right. <laughs> it's just like, but of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's I the the number of people I still know that are like doing completely other things, you know. I've had to I've had to relearn everybody's names once they start getting into different fields. But you know <laughs> So I like I, know everybody by their GG name and like they're like, I don't go by that anymore. Thank you. Okay. There, there are a couple of girls that I've run into um, who have that totally compartmentalized. Yeah. And so now I do this, like, 
<laughs> like, somebody would be like, and where do you know so-and-so from? And I'm like, mm-hmm. The park. Smoking. Store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We both smoked the same cigarettes. I gotta go by. Yeah. That is that it was just sort of a difficult thing when you know somebody from like mostly adult work and then they're in a social situation and you I'm I'm the type of person I don't like to be rude. I like to introduce everybody to everybody. And there's always that like half a second where I'm like, Oh shit, which name do I use for that? Yeah. And I have to be like, What how do I what do you want to be called tonight? Like what do you what do I say? You know, and if they say, oh, you know, just introduce me as whatever, my real name, there's a part of me that goes, yes, but what if somebody recognizes you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, whatever. I, I err on the, whatever side there makes sense for them. It really makes, you know, fuck it. But yeah. it is funny when you meet people that have pseudonyms because you're never like, okay. And I was uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. I heard someone yell my legal name. And it's the, the, for me, it's, like, first my body goes, like, oh, boy. <laughs> right. Bracing for possible invasion of boundaries. Right. Uh, and then I turned, and it was Malachi X. Oh, okay. And he had his daughter with him. Yeah. And so then I was like, oh, that's why he used my legal name. But <laughs> I think ever in my life I've used your legal name. It would feel weird to me, you know, at this point. <laughs> I'd be like, like I, you know, when we've had to sign legal documents for the business and stuff, and it says your name, and I'm like, who's that? Oh, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Her name's not just Stoya McStoya. Uh, one time someone booked a flight under my stage day, and I had to go and be like, oh, no, that's not. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I, all I do is I just change one letter in my legal name, and it doesn't matter. Uh, no one's ever, like, I've never had a problem at the bank or anything else like that. The Z or H, even on a, even on plane flights, nobody seems to give a shit. They're like, they pretty oh, wow. much care about the last name. They're like, whatever. Hmm. Yeah. Just Mitch with an H versus Mitch with a Z, they're like, whatever. So, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Convenient, convenient for me, but you know, whatever. And also, I would, I'd be terrible at like responding to not my name if I had to like use a different first name. I'd be like, who? That's just a thing. Like <laughs> that feeling you get when somebody says your name. It's like a, it's probably kind of like a dog feels. Like there's like a thing in your spine where you're like, that's me. And like. <laughs> So if if like if somebody says the word bitch just on its own, I'm like, hmm? Like I'm always are you talking like I think I heard my name. I'm not a hundred percent sure. So <laughs> my uh my legal my first legal name isn't like a secret or anything. Yeah, um yeah. when I wrote for The Guardian I used Jessica Stoya as the byline. Um just because it felt like a little pretentious to be like Stoya, like Madonna. I don't know. Um, like it feels fine when it's a performance capacity, but then for the Guardian, it was like, oh, they're pretty serious. Um, but then the New York Times was like, no, only Stoya is fine. Anyhow, um, I, yeah, I don't see it. whatever. Be a one name person. I worked at the same company as Jesse Jane did for a very long time, and. 
because some like somehow in my head it was down as if they're yelling Jess or Jesse, they're looking for her. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Or like calling Jess or Jesse. So, and the producer um, for that company never really got on board with using my stage name. Jesus. Okay. So, so you'd be walking around going Jess. Jess and I would just be like dead to the world, checked out because I'm like, I'm reading. <laughs> I'm outside smoking <laughs> cigarettes. He's trying to get my attention. Just yeah, because you're like, surely you mean Jesse Jane. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm the opposite. I'm like, can't possibly be trying. To- yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, that's that's the problem. That was one of the things I thought about when I was, you know, I was like, I wouldn't. You know, why change your name anyway? But, like, also, it was just like, you know, maybe back then I was in a band. So I was like, should we change our names to be weird? It's like, no, we'll just misspell them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, you know. All right. Well, then, uh, I don't know. Is there, I guess, I think we covered everything, literally everything there is to talk about in the possibility of the universe for this particular episode. I think so. All the meat. Is off the bone. We're, well, we, we Stoya and I have have privately discussed that we need to not be so terrible about doing this more often. So we will try to do this more often. But we have a name now for the podcast. That's good. Uh, we work together a lot and have to have weekly meetings. And then we kick ourselves for not just recording that and taking snippets out. Yeah, we can't have normal business meetings where we just talk numbers. We end up in a four-hour conversation about the intricacies of wallpaper or something. <laughs> so you know, yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, how about we like try to do it again at the end of next month before I leave town again? Quick reminder, you can always send questions or topic suggestions to us directly. Go onto the website, riffopolis.com, R-I-F-F-O-P-O-L-I-S.com. Quick jump to the podcast in the trenches, and on that page, you'll find links to both mine and Stoya's profile page. And from there, you can send a message directly. We'll look over them, and uh, if we're into it, then you'll get a shout-out. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.